Well, welcome to the U.S. Podcast, where all summer long we're answering questions that come directly from 18 to 25-year-olds out of Spotswood Baptist Church. We also know these are questions that all young adults are wrestling with, and our hope is that as you listen in, your faith will be fortified and you'll come awake to the reality that there are biblical answers to the difficult questions your generation's asking. Our goal is that these episodes provide real and practical wisdom as you navigate your young adult and college years. So let's go ahead and get into this week's topic. What's up, friends? Hey, welcome to episode eight. I cannot believe that we are most of the way through this summer series. I can't even believe it. Brian, man, it's been so much fun, this journey. Loved having you with us. Weird question for you, man. Mm. Best year, worst year, go. What was the Mm. best year of your life? What was the worst year of your life? Man, I'm going to be honest. You know, 2022 has been pretty good so far. So, you know, depending on how these last you know, six or so months go. I mean, I think 2022 might have to go down as a pretty good one. Um, Worst year, man, I can't really think of like too bad of a year. Um, And maybe like 2007, I broke my arm when I was seven. So I'm sure that was pretty rough for me, but. Is that like um, the only bone you've ever broken? Oh no. Okay. So (laughs) funny story. I've broken my left arm once, but I've broke my right thumb three different times. (laughs) It's the same thumb every time I, Every time playing basketball, I, I jam, thought yeah. I jammed it and it ended up breaking. Um, one time I even had, we, I was just playing at my friend's house in, in their gym. He has a gym. And one of my friends, I, I couldn't tell you why he did this, but he goes, the ball's rolling on the ground. And he goes to kick the ball and he kicks my thumb <laughs> and broke it again. Gotcha. And so, yeah, and I broke it when I was, I think, in eighth grade too. So I've broken my right thumb three times. So a little fun fact for you guys. That's, dude, that's crazy, man. I think a lot of people would say 2020 is the worst year. I think no doubt about it. it, That year is going to go down in history as one of the weirdest years and one of the most challenging years of our lifetimes. Not all bad. There was some great stuff that happened. You got saved in 2020, right? right? That's a pretty big deal. That's awesome. Death to life in 2020. That's pretty great. Um, It was also a great year for space exploration. Some of us remember watching, uh, you know, Elon Musk and his SpaceX crew uh, launching people into space. Um, some some cool like some celebrities came out of the woodwork and did some cool things for the world i remember lavar burton from reading rainbow reading to people who were living in quarantine john krasinski from the office remember he came out with uh the show that i, I can't remember what it's called but it was something that was like all about good news yeah. tiger king came out on netflix i don't know if that was a big deal for you but um one of the worst things that uh, 2020 did to us no question uh with this pandemic and the lockdowns and the distancing and the masking and all that some of us still have PTSD from that. It's tr- it trained us to get used to doing life alone, right? Isolation was a problem pre-pandemic, no doubt about it. But now it's more of a problem than ever before. And so what's tragic about that is that it's so counter to how we were designed, right? Life, life is better connected. We love saying that, but that's true because we were designed for connection, right? So Brian, tell us a little about why that's the case. Why why is it so important that we have connections in our life? Why is life better connected? Right, right. There's a, t- a ton of reasons why, um, you know, it's important to have connections, to have these friendships. And, and so we're going to get into, you know, the practical, what that looks like. But before we do that, right, like the, the reason why, like we were created to be in community by a triune God, like all the way from creation, Genesis 1, 1 through 2, like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so, you know, while the word Trinity may not be explicitly in the Bible, like it's very clear that that God is is a is a triune God who, from the very beginning, was in community. Um, we also see, you know, in, in humanity, um, Genesis two eighteen. Then the Lord God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him." And so we see, like. We were created not to do life alone. Um, then again, I think to all the commandments in the in the New Testament, the yeah. one another commands, you know, love one another, pray for one another, encourage, exhort, forgive one another. All of these things you can't do if you're not in connection with people. And so I think I think there's a lot of why, like we're made for connection, um, but it's not just that connection that matters. It's it's also you know that who we connect with that matters. That's right, man. Yeah, the greatest determinant for who we become isn't what we believe. You know, but it's it's about the people that we surround ourselves with, right? It's 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 been said that you're the sum total of the five people that you're around the most. Brian, have you seen that in your life? Have you have you have you seen that your your character kind of molds to or at least moves in the direction of the people that you surround yourself with? I mean, absolutely. Uh you know, what you just said, you know, the fact that you're the sum total of the five people you're most around, that's something my grandpa, um, you know, one of his biggest piece of advice that he's given me just through life is 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 that truth that reality and i've actually seen this um you know this last year being at liberty um having a community group having five guys that i did life with that i would meet with every single week um and so i'm so thankful for the structure that you know going to liberty provided but it also became more of not just something that we you know necessarily had to do even it wasn't required but you know some people may have thought you know like we had to do this but like we actually enjoyed that and the reason that it was so beneficial is because, you know, those people, the people that I was around, like they would encourage me. They would, they would, you know, despite the busyness of, of school and all the different things that was going on, you know, they would ask me, you know, like, how's your prayer life? Right. Like how, like, what have you been learning in the scripture? What, what has God been teaching you? And so, you know, through their, you know, them being surrounded or them surrounding me, like it's helped me you know, be formed into, you know, who God's created me to be and who I'm trying to be conformed into. I remember being in, in high school and having a youth pastor that used to tell us that if, if I go hang out with, you know, a bunch of pot smoking pastors, guess what I'm going to become? A pot smoking pastor. That's, that's just, <laughs> that's the way it works. And I remember hearing him and just kind of laughing it off, but then I really kind of experienced that when I was um, in, in, in high school, one of my favorite jobs was working as a cart boy at a golf course. And Love the free golf that I got. A lot of benefits to that. I actually loved being outside. It was for a lot of reasons. One of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Uh, but what I learned quickly was the guys that I worked with, man, we were not running in the same direction at all. <laughs> and so um, the, lang the language that they would use, the the things that they would put into their bodies, the the, the way they would talk about girls, um, the, the, they, they'd be stealing beer, they'd be stealing gas from the golf course whenever they could. Um, so a lot of, a lot of, shady stuff going on with this group and I, I i i held out pretty well you know in terms of living living a, a christian life in front of them uh, but at a certain point the resolve ran out the will kind of ran out and i just decided you know what these are the guys that i hung out with every day for like six or eight months and so at, at a certain point you know i just started to go with the flow and started to do what they were doing and talk like they were talking. And it was so funny. One of the guys that I work with actually called me out. He said, hold up a minute. I thought, she, I thought you were a Christian. Mm. And I felt like such a moron in that moment. But again, the resolve, while it may have held strong for a while, it, it begins to run out when those are the people that you're surrounded with, 
day in and day out, man, you will fold like a lawn chair. I did. So when they called me out, I snapped back into shape and didn't do that stuff anymore. But the point stands. We can be friendly with everyone, but we become who we allow into our inner circle. So we've yeah. got to be careful about that. So careful. Paul tells us as much in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 33. He says, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. I think of Psalm 1, right, where where uh, David talks about, uh, you know, blessed is the man who, who does not stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scoffer. Um, it talks about the people that he's around yeah. shaping his character. So uh, the guys that I was around, they weren't pulling me closer to God. They weren't sharpening my character. They, they were slowing me down in my chasing after Jesus at best. And more often than not, they were actually dragging me away from him. So right. when we're hanging out with people who, who are not followers of Christ, and that's going to happen, we're going to be around people who believe differently than us. But one question we got to ask before we go into a certain environment, before we go to a certain event or whatever, we've got to ask ourselves, are we going to have influence in that place? Or are we going to be the influenced one in that place? So we got to choose the right environments. There's a right way to go about it. Yeah. Not saying we got to cut those people out completely, but there's a right way to do it. So um, Brian, here's a question for you. Is, is it okay to not have Christian friends? Mm, I, that's a good question. And I would say, you know, just short answer, no. Like, I think that it's vitally important that you have people in your life who, um, that are that are conforming to the image of Christ to help you walk um, into that conformity, right? Like Hebrews 10, 25 commands us to be in the habit of gathering with other believers, you know, because some of these people weren't, and it was leading them um, away from, you know, positive impacts. And so, you know, the best advice that, that I would be able to give you is like, if you're struggling to make good friends or if you're struggling to find, you know, that Christian community, Christian friends, um, to, to, to find a small group and, and go all in, right? Like laugh with them, eat with them, share what's really happening in your life. Have, you know, James 516 conversations, you know, confessing your sins to one another, praying for one another. Um, and those will become some really life-giving friendships. Yeah, man, you need that. We need that because life is hard. Life is life can be so difficult. Some of you know that ex from experience because you're living it right now or you've recently come out of something, but life's life's hard enough and we need people around us. I, I met a girl this week. She, she just on a whim pulled into the church parking lot because things had just gone sideways in her life. They'd been going sideways for a while and things kind of came to a head. She basically was on the verge of a breakdown. And so this is a lady who had had She's mid-20s, right? She's, she's got PTSD from a military deployment. She's lost her dad recently. Uh, she's uh, lost another family member recently. Th those losses forced her to shoulder a weight that she never expected to carry. And then her own husband, also mid-20s, finds that he has a tumor in his throat. And so um, just one tragedy after the next. And she said she didn't have family close by, that that she she felt alone. And I told her, I begged her, find community. The best thing that... The best thing that I could encourage her to do was was to yeah it's great that they're coming to church and attending church but the reality is when she when they leave church life comes crashing back in they need people in in their lives this couple does each one of them individually do because we need people that are going to be there day in and day out to share life with God God shows in my experience I don't know about you Brian in my experience God shows his love and his power and his comfort most powerfully through his people yeah you, you got to have Christian friends, people who are going to be there to hold you up. People who are going to be there to, to meet your needs, to sharpen your character and just sit and listen, man, when life sucks sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So Brian, what, what is a friend? Yeah. And, and are there certain qualities that, that you're looking for? What's the criteria that you're, that you kind of sift through as you're 
choosing friends. Right. Um, and before we kind of get into that, you know, real quick, I would just say that it's important to understand that you're not going to necessarily quote unquote click with everyone that you meet. Like you're naturally going to be closer to, to some people than you are others, but that doesn't mean that you're not still called to love everyone. Right. Like just because you don't click doesn't mean that you can't or that you, you should stop extending love to them. And I would just say, you know, it, it's hard to to think or conceive of a person who would who would call themselves a Christian yet hate another brother or sister in Christ. Right. Like that's just that's just weird. Right. And, and don't just take like what I'm saying, like, right. Listen to what John writes in First John 2, 9 through 11 it says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so I just I just want to, you know, before we kind of dive into that specific question, right, like just throwing that out there because what we don't want you to hear is that you should have a few close friends and then cut everybody else off. Mm. Right? Like that's not what we're saying at all. Um, but you know, the, the question still stands like when we're looking for these people, people to do life together, people to shoulder, you know, the burdens of life with, to grow with, like, what should we be looking for? Yeah. I think we're looking for people who are serious about growing in their walk with Jesus. People who uh, are interested in, in deepening their love and their affection for him and for other people, the people that he loves, um, people that will help carry your burdens and support you through difficulties of life. I was listening to a video from uh, Jordan Peterson recently, and um, he, he just made a statement like, you you need people who are going to um, listen when you share the, the hard things of life. You should be able to share those things with them, and they should genuinely hurt for you, right? And, and not just kind of secretly be celebrating that something bad has happened to you. People do that. We do that probably, right? You want somebody that you can share the good news with and like share the good things of life with and and and, and they could be joyful and like not actually a little bit bitter because, right. you know, good things happen to you. You want people that, that to, to celebrate those things with and to share the hard times with. And uh, when we find people like that, man, like I've said before, uh, they will double your joy in life and cut the grief in half. They make life so much better. When you, when you find people, brothers, sisters that you can that will that will like go to like go to war in prayer for you yeah. right and and that will keep you strong in your fight against lust in your fight against porn in your uh in 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 just your christian life uh people that you can grow with people that share wisdom with you people that are going to pull you forward like that's 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 those are the ones that we're looking for one thing I've said pretty often is that we're looking for friends that are going to tell us what we what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. We want friends that love us and aren't impressed with us, right? That, that aren't aren't so impressed with us. They're not going to tell us the hard things. Sometimes we need to hear the hard things. Sometimes that's the most loving thing that our friends could tell us. Ultimately, make sure that their life, this person that you're looking for, is characterized by love. Right? Remember, remember that you you become like those that you hang out with. Does their character represent something that you want to be true of your life? And if it doesn't, then I mean, maybe, maybe it's time to to classify them as someone you're friendly with, but maybe they're not in that inner circle, mm -hmm. people that get to to speak into your life and help shape you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what about non-Christian friends, Brian? What, what what do those relationships look like? Because those that can be that can be a little bit tricky, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we're being the influencer and not the influence. So how how do we navigate those relationships? Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know that those relationships, like they don't need to be fake, right? Like we can be their friend. We can love them, 
Um, but like you said, it's important that we that we are the ones who are, you know, having the influence, not the ones that are being influenced into negative things. Right. And so so that relationship, like invite them to lunch, right? like invite them to coffee, be there for them, share your faith with them through natural conversations. And like we said, you know, over and over, like you are who you hang out with. So, you know, I would say like proceed with caution and be wise yeah one-on-one is is a great way to go right exactly and so you know we we hang out with believers you know to be spurred on in the faith to, to celebrate victories to carry each other's burdens right and then we hang out with non-believers to, to love them into the kingdom to be kind to share the gospel with them uh, but but your life you know should be characterized by having friends who have the most important thing in life in common with you which is you know a saving relationship with jesus um, and so it's not you know not saying you you can't have non-christians friends like we're called to to share the gospel with people like people who are lost um, but it is so important that we have friendships that that are centered around the most important thing which is jesus and so so my question to you is you know maybe there's someone out there who says yeah i, I understand that you know that's important but like how do i find these people yeah. where, where do i go well, Brian, man, I think you mentioned it before. We we find those people in the church. One of the things that we mentioned in a past episode, the All Things Church episode, is that one of the greatest gifts God gives us after our salvation is he puts us into a family. He puts us into an us, a community, right? We we get to we get to surround be surrounded by people that maybe we wouldn't have even naturally chosen to hang out with, but they're people that we have Christ in common with and can benefit us in ways that we had no idea about, right? And so um you need to do it, follow, follow our lead on this and get involved in a church, belong to a church, join a small group, serve where you can, and, and, and just give it time, right? Go all in in that, in that connect group. Share from the heart about what's happening in your life, and in time, those will become some of the sweetest friendships that you have. Is it going to be awkward at first? You know what? It, it very well may be, right? I've been there. I'm an introvert. One-on-one -on -one conversations and small talk are like kryptonite for me. I, I just, I just can't with that. But, but go for it anyway, right? Uh, yeah, you have to be intentional. Be intentional about this because, like, like I said, a lot of us are not built this way, um, and so we got to understand too that we've got an enemy that that doesn't want those relationships to happen. He's out to destroy any healthy relationships that we might have or any potential relationships that we might have. So he's going to discourage you, mm -hmm. but you got to push past that. You've got to set that aside and go for it anyway. Uh, once we once we establish those relationships, Brian, man, how how do we how do we take those deeper? Because mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of us have have a lot of shallow friendships in the church, but I we're not really milking it for all it's worth. We're not enjoying the deep connection that we're meant to. So how do we get there? Yeah, I would say, you know, with that, again, like it, it requires intentionality. And so if you're looking for that type of friendship, like you have to be the one to initiate that. Like you have to take initiative in deepening your friendships. And one of the things that I, I you know, got from the podcast becoming something um, is just the this thing of input output confession. And so, you know, within your your conversation with your friends, like, you know, kind of repurpose some of the things that you talk about, like and in terms of input, like this is just asking the question of like, what is God teaching you and what are you learning to grow your affections, to grow your love for Jesus? And so that's that's one of the questions you can ask to help, you know, deepen your friendship. Another, you know, output, like who are you discipling? Who are you sharing your faith with? 
Um, and, and then lastly, like confession, like where in this last week have you chosen not to honor God? Mm. And by initiating that conversation, asking these questions, it begins to allow you to, to deepen those friendships into what we see, you know, biblical community, biblical friendship look like all throughout scripture. Um, and so, you know, ultimately, like, if you're unable to, to find these deep relationships, like if you're, if your friendships um, and your relationships are, are, mar are marked with, you know, constant disagreement, constant conflict, constant toxicity, you know, you know, hear me when I say this, right? Like you, you might be the problem, right? Like, are you surrendered to the spirit? Are you conformed to the image of Jesus? Like, are you putting others before yourself? You know, are you being a friend to others? Because we have to be a friend first before you look for a friend. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking to take these, you know, surface level relationships that you have into deep biblical community friendships, I would encourage you, like, make sure that you are putting their needs above yours and then taking initiative in those conversations. I got a weird, I got a weird suggestion, right? And, and it's going to, it's going to sound awkward and I'm going to tell you it works and it works every time. Uh, if you want to take a, a relationship from one level to the next, if you want to go deeper in that friendship and, and, and just fortify that friendship, one thing you can do is to write that person a note, mm. like a handwritten note, which is not something that we do anymore, but letters land with incredible weight. Yeah. And so if you'll write a letter to, to, to that friend and say, man, this I just want you to know, you know, this is, this is what this relationship's meant to me. This is the, these, these, I see these qualities in you, man. And it, it just inspires me to, to, to want to be better and, and appreciate so much about, you know, the way that you challenge me and, and make me look more like Christ. And when, when you, when you will do that, whatever that letter looks like as short or as long as it may be, when that friend reads it, that relationship will automatically go next level. I really encourage you guys to give that a try. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I think, you know, kind of with this, one of the reasons why we may be a little timid to do, you know, to build these deeper relationships is that because with with relationship comes conflict, right? And so how do how do we handle that relationship conflict? How do we handle that well? Man, great question. That is something we absolutely are going to deal with. Anytime you've got two or more sinners in close proximity, what's inevitable is relational friction. It's unavoidable. It's going to happen. Um, we got to handle it though in a way that's positive and there's 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 a way to do it and scripture's going to outline it for us where paul writes to us speak the truth in love and that's really the key to it all we've got to speak right and then i'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm not i'm not just going to minimize this i'm not going to maximize it in my own mind and, and blow it up and get all bitter i'm going to speak about this and and talk to that person and say this is what you did you're going to speak the truth this is the thing that you did this is the thing that you said, and this is the way it made me feel. This is the we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna assume you know their motives. We're gonna have that conversation and hear back from that person what they meant by that or why they chose to do that. And having that, they, they might not even know that they that they hurt you, right? That they they certainly had maybe their intent was totally different than than what you than what you thought. And so all those all those like imaginary conversations that you have in your head, those are all probably unnecessary. Rather than doing that, go talk to the person who's hurt you. Go talk to the person who's uh, who's who's sinned against you. Right? Um, if it's a small thing, maybe you can't overlook it. But if if you're having those, you know, fantasy conversations where you're, you know, tearing them a new one because of whatever it is that they said or did, it's time to go have that conversation. Right? Yeah. So we're gonna speak. We're gonna speak the truth, and we're gonna speak it in love. We're gonna we're gonna balance out the the criticism with 
with affirmation. We're going to tell them what you love about them. You're going to, you're going to give them something positive as well. Right. Yeah. But yeah, conflict is absolutely inevitable. And when we enter into those moments, it's good to just have us have decided ahead of time. I'm going to be in this moment. I'm going to be in this moment like God, the God who reconciled with me when I didn't deserve it, when, when I wasn't the one who sought it out. Um, I want to speak the truth to them from a heart of love so that we both grow and we all win. Yeah. I want that for you. I want that for your relationships. So interesting last question, man. Should there be boundaries in friendships? What, what, do, what do boundaries look like? Sometimes they can go, sometimes people can, can overstep and uh, boundaries are helpful. What, so what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think this is a this is an interesting question um, because there's a I think there's a difference between you know boundaries and walls. You know, walls are built to keep others out and to keep yourself in. Um, but the fact is that like people need people um, in an interdependent way, not in a in a codependent way. But we're made to be relational to experience community, and so these boundaries they they serve as you know indicators of acceptable standards for the relationships, and so the ways that these are formed are through, you know, open, honest, effective, you know, communication. Like you have to communicate these with your friends, like your friends aren't going to be able to read your minds, you know? And so one of the ways that we teach others how to treat us in a way that's, that's proper, right. Is by verbalizing our expectations. And so, you know, practically one of the things, you know, for example, a boundary that I would set is like, you have to remember that you can't carry every single burden someone else is walking through. Like you were never meant, you're never called to do that. Like, so you have to set boundaries that remind you of this truth. Like instead of bearing that weight, you know, bring it to God. Yes, we, we walk through life with people and and pray for them when, you know, maybe they, they don't have the faith to pray. Like we, we do these things for them, but we have to remember that at the end of the day, like we bring these things to the feet of Jesus and like he is enough. Um, and so I think, you know, just practically that that's one, you know, boundary that you have to remember. Um, another is like, you have to remember that good friendship isn't necessarily based on accessibility. Um, you know, in scripture, it never says that, you know, a friend will always be there when you call there, that they're going to uh, respond immediately or that they're going to be there every single time you need to vent about frustration. Right. You know, while it certainly is nice to have somebody who, who does all of these, right, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being loved. Right. Like first Corinthians um, 13, like love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't envious. Like it's not selfish. Right. And, and so the list goes on and on. And it turns out that love as being defined by scripture doesn't look much like, you know, a friend, quote unquote, being there all the time. Right. It, it's much more fulfilling. It's much richer. It's much better than that. And so we have to we have to set the boundaries that, you know, accessibility doesn't necessarily equal a good friend. Mm. But so, so, I mean, just practically, like what, what would you, what would you say um, just to wrap us up, you know, practically, what should that look like? I know relationships loom large for us guys. And I, I just encourage you begin to, to, to kind of get around yourself a, an inner circle, people who can speak into your life and make you look more like Christ. Uh, even the people that are outside of the circle, we can still be friend friendly with them. We can still love them. Uh, and we absolutely should, but we need those people to to speak into our lives, guys. We say it all the time, life's better connected. We've experienced it. We want you to experience it. It's not always easy, but just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. It's absolutely right. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you next week.